Good morning, City Light. All right, it's a cold uh, April day, I know, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I don't know about you. This has been a good week for me, a week a lot of celebrating a lot of family. So my um, two-year-old turned three, my six-year-old turned seven, and my eight-year-old turns nine today. That all happened in the last week, uh, all right? That's consistency, um, and we got... So we got a lot of celebrating done this last week uh, in our house, and not only that, um, we got to do some at work too. Uh, I one of my favorite parts about being part of the City Light family of churches is once a month. Um, everybody uh, that works at all the City Light churches, we get together and have a staff prayer time. And so when we're there, we just get to connect. We celebrate um, all that God is doing in each of the churches, and uh, we pray for each other. And so if you didn't know, we are part of a family of churches. Um, five churches have been planted in five years, all right? Omaha and Benson, yeah, came before us. Uh, Council Bluffs, we're the middle child right now. And then Lincoln and Providence came after us, and we helped them get started. Five churches in five years. Our movement is young. The family is early uh, on in its development. Yet, we're of Jesus. God, would you keep on moving? Would all of those churches continue to make disciples of Jesus and multiply churches that also make more disciples of Jesus? That's our prayer. And so I love being part of a family that celebrates all that God is doing. And I think that kind of joy in celebration that I have uh, had both at home this week and at work, Paul kind of felt that family feeling with uh, the Galatian church because he had helped plant it, helped get it started. And so as he writes this letter, he's got that kind of love for his church family that we have here. But right away in the letter, we see that his family is under attack. And so I just ask you, have you guys ever experienced your family under attack? I remember when I was in um, college, I came home from uh, school on spring break, and my folks told me that uh, these punks had been TP in my house. Like a few times they had done this, and it would have been an understatement to say I was upset. I was mad, and there were words going through my head I probably shouldn't say in church, right? My family was under attack, and I had to go on defense. I had to defend them, and so I made a plan um, to catch these punks, and I dressed in black, and I waited outside, and I was on a stakeout, and I knew how they operated, and I watched this field behind my house, and hours into my stakeout, it started happening. They started gathering and congregating back in this field, and so I raced inside and got my brother, uh, and I said, we got to uh, get in your car. I got a plan. We're going to circle around and surprise them. We're going to come in on them and see what's going on, um, so we did that. And while we were driving, um, they had snuck over into my lawn and they lit off black cats or fireworks or something and threw this toilet paper all over. And uh, right as it happened, we turned the corner and came down toward my house. So I saw all these fireworks going off and I saw three guys running on the street to get away from it all. And so without thinking, I just jumped out of a moving car and chased three guys who were all bigger than me, all right? Now, I'm sure it was a sight to see, like, little sparrows chasing a hawk in the air, you know? Uh, or uh, the, the Napoleon complex, it is real, okay? And it kicks in hard on guys like me when my family is under attack. And so I had that going on. I chased these guys. Long story short, the TP problem stopped after that night, all right? I took care of it. You defend your family, some 
somebody got clapped going for me. You defend your family when they're under attack. You know what that's like. That's what Paul was feeling. His family was under attack. And so he uh, writes this letter to the Galatians. I want to give you a lay of the land. So these guys, these attackers, the ones against his family, um, they are guys who claim to know the truth about Jesus, the truth of the gospel, but they don't. They don't know it. And so they're teaching wrong things about both Paul and Jesus. And so they go after Paul, and they try to um, undermine his credibility. They try to cut him out at the knees. They said things about Paul um, that would have gone something like this. Uh, You know, Paul's a decent guy, but it was Peter, James, and John. Those guys actually knew Jesus. They walked with Jesus, lived with him while Jesus was alive. Paul didn't start following until after that. He's kind of second rate. All right, so they're attacking Paul on one side, but even that attack on Paul was just part of the larger attack that they were lodging against the gospel itself. See, they were saying things like, yeah, good job, Paul started you off well, but he didn't know the whole picture. Uh, You should believe in Jesus, that's good, but to really get it right, you need to get circumcised too. See, their message was Jesus plus circumcision gets you right with God. But that's totally different than the message that Paul was preaching. Paul was preaching salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so I I just want to say, this was a big deal to Paul. This was not a simple disagreement on minor issues. It was a big deal to Paul And I think it ought to be a big deal to us, too. Because, you see, if, if uh, if the false brothers that were coming in teaching, if the attackers, if they won the day, then the Bible is simply a rule book full of laws that we have to follow. And that makes Jesus simply a good example. And we need to try our best to be more like him. If they won, religion and law rule the day. But if Paul wins, if he defends the gospel and it wins the day, then the Bible is an invitation into freedom from law and religion. Jesus is a savior And grace and freedom rule the day. Do you see how different these guys are? They are in different camps. And Paul doesn't just consider them uh, guys who are kind of on the same page but with little disagreements. He considers them attackers, spies who want to steal the freedom of the gospel. It was a big deal to Paul. And so I think it should be a big deal to us. And so I want to look today at Paul's defense against these attacks. And I want to look at it in three parts. All right, this is where we're going. Revelation, preservation, confirmation. I got my best Southern Baptist three-point outline in a long time this morning. All right, revelation, preservation, confirmation. That's where we're going. So let's jump right in. From the beginning, Paul makes the source of gospel good news clear. All right, this is what he writes. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, 
but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that the gospel he preached was not Paul's gospel. It was not Peter's gospel. It was not a gospel that came from any man. Paul is saying the gospel he preached was Jesus' gospel. Jesus lived it. Jesus preached it. Jesus revealed it. It was from Jesus and for Jesus and about Jesus. Paul was saying he himself was not the source of the message he preached. Jesus was. And that is a critical distinction. Because knowing the source matters, right? It matters that you know the source. For example, uh, I live just outside of city limits. The county line and city line are my backyard. And so that means I got a well in my front yard, all right? And so that well has a pump in it. And that pump drives water up through the pipes in the ground, into the pipes in my house until it arrives at the faucet. And so, in my experience, I can go up to a faucet, any of them in my house, turn it on, and water is poured out. But even though I can turn on the faucet and get water, that faucet is itself not the source of the water that I drink, right? The well is. The faucet's not the source, the well is. That means if I took the faucet off the sink and put it in my truck and drove around town, I could not expect work because on and have water pour out. That's ridiculous. It's clearly not going to work because the faucet is not the source. The well is the source. Knowing the source matters. And that's what Paul is getting at. These guys may be attacking me, but they're just attacking a faucet. Jesus is the source. I'm just a faucet. Peter is just a faucet. Doug is just a faucet. I am just a faucet. If anybody preaches anything that is not coming from the source, they got nothing to say. Jesus was and is and will always be the source of the good news of the gospel. Amen? It matters that we know the source. And so I want to encourage you with the same encouragement that uh, Paul gave to the Galatians. If anybody, if Doug or I or anybody else tries to add to the simple gospel or subtract from it or twist it or shape it or uh, make it different... They're like a faucet with no well. If that ever happens around here, don't stick around here, all right? Don't desert Jesus for any man. He was and is and will always be the source of the gospel. And so I'll say today at City Light, we live in light of this truth, all right? One kind of cheesy example, uh, we don't have fancy titles for our sermon series. Anybody notice that? Like right now we're in Galatians, and before this one we were uh, in John, and in our short two years we did Philippians and Ephesians and Exodus. We don't have fancy titles. Why? We keep it simple because we want to stay connected to the source. If we're not preaching from this, we've got nothing to say. And so we have a new church You guys are sitting in new chairs on new carpet. We sing new songs that play through new speakers. We want to plant more new churches in new places to reach new people. There's a lot of new that goes on around here, and we celebrate that. That That's God's grace to us, but I want you to know this. 
we will always preach the old gospel. We will always preach the old gospel. Um, So let me say it this way. Let me quote Paul. He said the old gospel like this. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. The old gospel is that Jesus gave himself for our sins. It's that simple. Jesus gave himself for our sins. It wasn't Jesus plus circumcision. It wasn't Jesus plus the law. It wasn't Jesus plus being a better person. Jesus gave himself. That's it for our sins. That's the simple gospel, and that's where we will always stay. Um, And so I want to zoom in a little bit. From us as a church, how this impacts us, to maybe how it impacts you. Uh, I would ask, are you connected to the source? Are you staying connected to the source? How would you do that? Um, I'd ask this. When's the last time you opened your Bible and read it? Can I just encourage you to stay connected to the source? One of the best ways is just to open your Bible and read it. Like maybe this week, open up to Galatians. It's a short book, six chapters that fit on just a few pages. And read along with us. It's important, not just that we try to stay connected to the source, but that you guys try to stay connected to the source, right? Um, If you've never read the Bible yourself, um, or don't do it often, I know it can be kind of intimidating. And so I want to tell you a story that hopefully will encourage you. Um, You can do it. My daughter just turned seven. She got a Bible just a couple months ago, um, one that was uh, written in language that she can read and understand. And so since she got it, she likes to read just a few verses before bed each night. And so after Easter, she said, uh, Daddy, what are, what's our church going to study after Easter? And I said, uh, Galatians. And so that night at bedtime, she went to the table of contents and found Galatians and the page number, and she turned to it, and she read just the first few verses. Let me read to you what she read. I, Paul, have been sent by Jesus Christ and by God the Father. God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus gave his life for our sins. He set us free from this evil world. And after... She read that. She looked up at me with this big smile, and she said, Daddy, God raised Jesus from the dead? Jesus gave his life for our sins? That's the same thing we just learned in John. Galatians and John say the same thing. She's seven years old. She reads a few verses of the Bible a few times before bed each night. That's, she's only been doing it for a couple weeks. God is, Jesus is already revealing himself to her. I didn't teach her that or coach her in that. It was a little girl who decided to connect to the source and Jesus is revealing himself to her. Can I just encourage you? Jesus' plan and purpose was to reveal his gospel to his people that they might be saved. He revealed himself to Paul. He is still revealing himself to his people today. All right, he is, uh, uh, he is a revealer. And so I would just ask you guys, are you staying connected to the source? Let's be a people who recognize we are only faucets. And if we're not connected to the well, we've got nothing. Jesus is the source and he longs for his living water to fill you and me. Amen? 
Amen. So Paul starts off his defense of the gospel saying, Paul himself, he's not the source. He didn't make up what he preached. Jesus revealed it to him. And now the, that gospel, that revealed gospel is under attack in the church that he loved. And so he continues his defense by saying, hey, the attacks that you're experiencing, they, they aren't new. They've, they've come at the gospel before. The revelation needs preservation, and Paul was ready. And so after he says, Jesus revealed it to him, he goes on and he tells the Galatians about a meeting that he had in Jerusalem. All right, it was uh, uh, with Peter, James, and John. It was one of these kind of, I'm a faucet, you're a faucet, let's make sure we're tapped into the same source sort of talks. And so Paul shows up to the room for the talk, and he brings along his buddy Titus. Now, Titus is a Greek. That means he's not a Jew like all the other guys. He's not been circumcised, and yet he has given his life to Jesus, and he's a partner with Paul in his ministry. And so Paul brings Titus along. Peter, James, and John, they show up in the same room for the conversation, and they bring some guys too. But these guys are different than Titus. The guys that they bring along, they seem to be the kind of guys that make you feel guilty by even being present, right? They're kind of those uppity, look down their nose at you, I can fix you up kind of guys. It reminds me of uh, just before Easter, I was uh, going to get some clothes because I thought this is the first time I'm ever preaching Easter. I need to look right, and uh, that's just my own vanity. Okay, so pray for me. And so I walk into this store, and this employee walks up, and he says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm a preacher. I'm preaching Easter. It's kind of a big deal. Um, I'm looking for a jacket maybe to wear. I think that'd look sharp. Uh, Can you help me? And he says, well, you're going to need a lot of help to clean up this mess. <laughs> this mess. Right? I know. I may not be the most attractive magnet on the fridge, but that was harsh, okay? I was like, I came here for some help, and you are not helping me. I feel worse after walking into this store. You know those kinds of people. And I think that is the kind of people that these spies, these false brothers were that Peter, James, and John brought in the room. I know, this is my life, all right? True story. So Peter describes, or Paul describes these guys, and he says it like this. They were guys who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. They slipped in to be spies, and they had a motive. We want to see why you think you're so free. We got some rules for you to follow. As the conversation began, it was very clear that gospel freedom was at stake. Now, the tension was high, uh, the, the stakes were high, and I feel maybe most for Titus in that room, right? Titus, uh, he's the only Greek in a room full of Jews, and the plans that these spies have to clean up his mess are a lot different than the plans that this guy at the store had to clean up my mess. He just wants me to wear different clothes. Not that big a deal, right? But these spies who tagged along, they looked at Titus, and they're like, to clean up your mess, we got a procedure, right? You got to get circumcised, and if you're a grown man, that's a big deal. The stakes are high if they win for Titus, but if they were high for Titus, They were just as high for us, for you and for me. And they were high because the question at hand was, 
Are we still slaves required to obey the law, or has Jesus set us free? Is the gospel Jesus plus the law or Christ alone? Are we slaves or are we free? What is the true gospel? Well, Paul knew what he believed, and this is what he said. To them, to these tag-along spies, we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Unyielding, Paul stood in the camp of gospel freedom. When things got intense, he never yielded, wavered, or flip-flopped. The gospel he preached was Christ alone, not Jesus plus circumcision or Jesus plus the law or Jesus plus being a good person. It was Jesus plus nothing, freedom in Christ. And as Paul stood unyielding and unwavering, in the end, Peter, James, and John agreed. Paul wrote that they literally added nothing to his gospel. And that meant Titus didn't have to get circumcised and gospel freedom won the day. That's a win. We're sitting here because Paul was unyielding in that room on that day. And yet, I, uh, I read all that and I think that's awesome that Paul won. I'm grateful that he stood strong. But the thing that strikes me more is... Why all the talk about Titus and circumcision, right? This is just kind of odd. We don't talk about that much in our day, and so it's a little weird and uncomfortable, and I just wonder, what's he getting at? Why include that? Why not just say that he won? Well, I think Paul included Titus in that meeting for a reason, and he had a purpose in including Titus in his letter to the Galatians. All right, track with me for a minute. Titus was a Greek. He was a uncircumcised man who's following Jesus. And if he could go and Peter, James, and John did not force him to get circumcised, if they didn't force him to become like them and submit to the law, then that means all of the Galatians didn't have to submit to that law either. Paul is saying Titus on the backside of the meeting in Jerusalem is living, breathing, walking, talking proof that a non-Jewish, uncircumcised person could enter the family of God. That is a big deal for us. What does it mean for us today? Paul wrote, God shows no partiality. What's it mean for us? That Titus could enter the family of God? God shows no partiality. That phrase could also be translated, God does not judge by external appearance. Right? The good news for us today is that God does not judge based on whether or not you are circumcised. He doesn't judge by what you can see on the outside. He doesn't judge uh, by whether or not you smoke or drink or chew or date girls who do. He does not judge by external appearance. What you do on the outside is not what God looks at. He looks at the inside and at the heart. That means Jesus is not about making uncircumcised people circumcised. He's not about making immoral people moral. He's not about turning rule breakers into rule followers. He's not about making bad people good. None of that. Jesus is about setting enslaved people free. 
He's about making dead hearts alive. Do you feel the difference in that? City light, this is good news. Because if the gospel only changes bad people into good people, then that means our greatest hope lies in becoming some better version of ourselves someday. If the gospel only makes us better people, then that means we have to try as best we can to follow as many rules as we can as often as we can. How many of you have ever tried to follow all the rules all the time? Right? Some of you guys are, are, no, that's just impossible. I don't even try. Right? Others of you are like, no, I try really hard, and most of the time I do pretty good. If that's you, I want to say, you can't tell me you've never driven 56 in a 55 zone. All right? You've never taken your trash and not put it in the blue bin with the white triangle that says reduce, reuse, recycle, not trash, right? We can never follow all the rules all the time. So if our only hope lies in us becoming a better version of ourselves someday, the, the good news of the gospel is hopelessness. It's not good news at all, so it must not be the gospel. Yet, if Jesus sets us free from slavery to the law, if that is the gospel, if it's freedom in Christ, then our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, who did obey perfectly and gives that to us. He works it in us. If our hope is in Jesus, then he is our savior and he does for us what we could never do for ourselves. The gospel becomes freedom, not slavery. And so Titus is included because he's a living, breathing example that the gospel is about freedom, not about law. Let me give you an example of how this just plays out in real life today. Uh, I was at Citigroup just this last week, a few days ago, and we were talking about Doug's sermon, uh, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The question on the table was, if that's really the gospel, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, what are you tempted to throw in? Jesus plus something. What is your something? What do you feel like you have to contribute to Jesus' work so that you can be saved? And so one person uh, shared, I'm not sure I can ever be good enough to trust myself. So how could I ever trust Jesus? I'm not sure I could ever be good enough to trust myself. So how could I ever trust Jesus? That's an honest answer. Um, you see her something that she was adding to Jesus was being good enough. And, and as they shared it, it just became very clear that that something was making this person feel like, I'm never going to get Jesus. Because if I have to be good enough to trust myself, I can't get there. And so I'll never get Jesus. Jesus plus something was slavery, not freedom. But our city group, they just did a beautiful job of jumping in and preserving the truth of the gospel. Right? People just started encouraging Hey, the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus being good enough to trust yourself. The Bible actually never even says trust yourself. It only says trust in the Lord. 
So you don't have to get right on the outside. You don't have to make yourself right before you get Jesus. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus gave himself for your sins. That's past tense. He already lived and died. He was buried and rose again. And he ascended on high so that the offer is now on the table. You can trust in him today. You don't have to get right on the outside before he enters inside. Our city group jumped in and encouraged her with the truth of the gospel. We preserved it together. Listen, freedom from the law doesn't mean uh, freedom from obedience. Freedom from the law means you don't have to get it all right before you get Jesus. You get him now because he has made it all right for us. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing. And so I just want to encourage all of you. That happened in my city group last week. That happens in city groups uh, across the city every week. And so Paul preserved the gospel by just hashing it out with Peter, James, and John. City groups are a way that we still preserve the gospel with and for each other today. So have you ever been part of one? Have you ever jumped into one? If you wrestle with the same kind of questions, Jesus plus nothing is hard for me to believe. It sounds good, but I don't operate there. And you just need to process that with somebody. City groups are a beautiful place for that to happen. They just preserve the gospel together. Jesus revealed the gospel to Paul, and then he gave us his word and his spirit and his people so that it can be preserved now and for generations to come. Amen? Paul's defending the gospel by saying Jesus revealed it and Jesus preserved it before. He's preserving it still. Um, so, gospel, revelation, preservation. And I want to end today by looking at Paul's confirmation that this message of gospel freedom in Christ was for anybody who would hear. Okay, um, Let's look at how the meeting in Jerusalem ended. Galatians 2, 8 and 9. He who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Peter and John perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. We go to the ends of the earth and you stay in Jerusalem. Everybody is included if it's people outside Jerusalem and people inside Jerusalem. There's nobody left out if it's circumcised and uncircumcised. This, it was confirmed. The gospel good news is for anyone who would hear. I'm excited about that, City Light. I got to tell you, I read stuff like this, and it is fuel for mission. We say around here that our mission is to multiply disciples and churches, and we don't say of whom or where, and we do that intentionally. And it's happening. We've got people in our church that lead a Bible study in the jail, and people who lead a Bible study in a nursing home. We got people in our church that make food for people who are in need and people in our church who seek social justice for people who are in need. We got people in our church who serve at local schools and people in our church who serve local homeless people. 
We pray that God would use people in our church to raise up and send out and plant new churches in big cities like Kansas City and Des Moines and in small towns across southwest Iowa that may have just a few hundred people in each. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we have freedom from the law and religion, that's good news for all to hear. It is fuel for the mission that we have right here at City Light Church. And so I want to ask you, are you on mission? Who would you tell if this is a gospel that was revealed by the risen Christ to his people and it's been preserved since the days he walked this earth until now? Who will you tell? Will you connect to the source? Oh, that we would be a people who are connected to the source saying, man, we may just be faucets, but there is a source of living water that's ready to pulse through us and spill out to all around us. Who will you tell? This is good news of freedom for your family. It's good news of freedom for your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors. The gospel is good news for all. And City Light, our church may be filling up. On Easter, it was full. That does not mean our work here is done. We did not plant this church to fill a building and be satisfied. We planted this church to make disciples who make disciples. There are 60,000 plus people in and around Council Bluffs who need to hear the good news that freedom comes in Christ alone. Who will you tell? I just got to tell you, I celebrate our church. This call, this invitation to be a teller like Paul was, I celebrate. Man, you guys are already doing that. I'm not asking anybody to do something that you're not part of doing already. I'm just inviting you. Would you keep doing it? Would you trust that Jesus is who he says he is? That his message has the power he says it has. That we would see more people saved from death to life. See, like, who will you tell? I get excited about this. This is fuel for mission. And so let me just recap. Jesus revealed his gospel to Paul, and he is still revealing it to his people today. Jesus has given us his word, his spirit, and his people, that his gospel might be preserved for today and for generations to come. And now we get the joy to share the incredible truth that Jesus gave himself for our sins. He lived and died. He was buried and rose again so that anybody who would call on his name could experience saving freedom forever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, awesome God, you are good. And I thank you. Man, we just live in a culture where I feel like the gospel does come under attack. It can feel like that. And so we can read a, a book like Galatians and just, just know the truth. Attacks on the gospel aren't new. Uh, they've come before and they will come again. But God, the, the reality is you revealed your gospel. You are the source. There's nothing that's going to overcome you and your purpose in this world. And so we just got to stay tapped into that. God, I thank you that you've preserved your word from way back when you walked on this earth until today, that we might get to celebrate it. God, would you use us to preserve it for, for each other and for future generations? And God, as I, as I just get excited that this gospel is good news for all who would hear, 
I just feel like there are some people in the room right now that though they've heard it, they maybe haven't ever experienced true freedom in Christ. They still feel that burden either of the law where you just think, man, I've got to try harder. I've got to do better. I've got to earn it before Jesus will give it. I mean, that kind of religion is slavery. Oh, Jesus, would you set them free today? I got to feel like there's people probably on the other side who say, man, that book of rules is so thick and so tall. I could just, I could never scale it. I could never get there. I've done so many bad things. I've got so much baggage that I carry around. I feel guilty for things that I did years ago and things that I did hours ago. I cannot shake it. I could never be good enough for you to pick me. Oh, Jesus, would you reveal the truth even now? We don't have to earn it. You've already lived and died for us. You already rose again so that you could offer your freedom to us today. And if you're in either of those camps, you're trying really hard or you feel like you could never try hard enough, and could you just reflect that the true gospel is Jesus plus nothing? He offers it to you today. And if you want that, if you long for that freedom, then would you just cry out to Jesus now and let him know? Man, I feel enslaved. I feel enslaved by guilt and shame. I feel enslaved by religion and law. Jesus, I need set free. And if you really do that, really do that in me. And would you give your life to Jesus even today, even this morning? He will give you the freedom that you're asking for. And pray that prayer. Reach out to him. He died so that enslaved people could become free, so that dead souls could experience new life. He wants to do it for you today. And Jesus, for your glory and our good, would you continue to set us free? We pray this in your name. Amen.